It's such good shit. So, um, did y'all see that uh, TKO photo shoot that they released? Yeah, what the hell? What are they doing? It's they as wild as the the Apple thing that we just watched. I mean, did I don't know if you guys saw that Apple event, just like horribly overproduced. I don't even know if they were in front of green screens or just in front of billion dollar like complexes. They all just had like this ridiculous power stance and were scripted straight to hell. And I don't know. I miss the days of just Steve Jobs coming out on stage in a turtleneck and just being like, oh, hey, we just changed the world. You're welcome. And then leaving. Now it's just a yeah, very, okay. very scary, like stock, you know, shareholder friendly, like scripted fucking thing where they have to get like 30 people out there of all different races, ethnicities, genders. Got to make sure you got one of everybody and they all have something important to share, but none of it's actually relevant. They're just talking about the technology, but not how the user can actually interact with the technology. So I don't know who it's for. Well, not for a wrestling audience. Um, yeah. Anyways, that's like what the TKO thing was like. Sure. It's just like, why Why are all these shareholders taking a fucking photo shoot, like <laughs> one after the next, as if they, like, they're not the talent. Like, what are you advertising? Yeah. Who are you, adver- who, who is that material for? Is it for shareholders or investors? It's like, I don't think that anybody looked at that photo of Vince McMahon and went, yeah, I'm going to start buying stock in this fucking TKO brand that's clearly run by a fucking snake oil salesman. Like, it's ridiculous. It just didn't make any sense to me that they did that. Could you imagine if they did, like, the WrestleMania 25 era of, like, rain shower fucking clips of all Holy the shareholders? That <laughs> would they did be... that with Orton and Triple H. That would be incredible. How did they film? Was that just CGI or? No. Um, they, they actually just got doused in water. <laughs> I don't. So from my understanding, because I've seen some backstage clips in, over the years, they were on like a pedestal that could rotate and the camera would rotate around them. Right. And then you'd have the lighting rig and then the water would come down between them and the camera. So as far as I know, they weren't getting doused. They were probably getting a little wet, but they weren't getting doused. That's actually a pretty, pretty good idea if you want to do rain shower. But then why was Triple H's hair all wet? Just conditioner? It just was. Okay. He was probably my drinking issue, the water so he could do his thing. My issue with it, and it's really the issue with how WWE produces stuff sometimes is especially something like that. It's so overproduced that you, you know that it it is produced. It's not natural. There's no reason in kayfabe why a guy like Randy Orton, who at the time was just like psychotic and kicking people in the head, including like Vince McMahon and uh, his daughter and his son. Like, why would he go into a studio and film that? It makes sense for Triple H because he's always been that way. 
and he, he even in, in his character he would do a lot of like overproduced stuff and he's like the face of the company but why would your top heel who's acting like a psychotic monster do it you know I think that that's like one of the things where WWE produces stuff so heavily that it can feel very, um, it makes everything feel way faker than it is. And I think that that's why we, we complimented Bray Wyatt about this in our Bray Wyatt episode is the way that they produced a lot of his segments felt natural and it felt like somebody who was literally out of his mind would have filmed that. It didn't feel overproduced by like a giant multi-billion dollar company. It's look, it's just a uh, vignette, man. It's not a big deal. I take kayfabe very seriously, Alec. I can see that. (laughs) I just don't like when shit doesn't make sense. As soon as I watch, I'm hashtag kayfabe only, as you know. But uh, you can have a little rain shower. You know? Like I said, Triple H can do it. It makes sense for Triple H as a character to do that at that time. It doesn't make sense for Randy Orton to do it. It'd be like if you had Umaga do one of those. It's like he's supposed to be like a non-English speaking like dude who like lives in the rainforest. Like why would he I believe participate the term you're looking in that? For jungle. Yeah, I mean, I don't sure. Look, you know what else doesn't make sense is the fact that we haven't kicked off and introduced the podcast yet. And since Matt stepped away, I will uh, take over the duties this week. Welcome to Such Good Shit, a wrestling podcast where the three of us, who are brothers, get together and talk about all the things that make professional wrestling such good shit. Uh, Matt has returned, so I will hand the host duties back to him. Yeah, you jumped the gun on that. What do you got going on over there, buddy? Uh, my littlest one is refusing to go to bed, so, you know. Andrew? Good times. Yes, Andrew. Andrew was refusing to go to bed. So I had to keep well, getting up. Better. We got a podcast in. to record, goddammit. Yeah, it's so past my <laughs> bedtime, and you guys always make me do these fucking podcasts. The fact that I just talked about how, the, how I'm trying to tuck my little one in should show the audience that it's not that late that I'm making y'all do this. Um, But, you know it's it's kind of the season for that sort of thing right the so we're turning a corner into the fall right now and you know there's all sorts of holidays that everybody celebrates uh, halloween thanksgiving but what about you know festivus for the rest of us which technically is a winter holiday but one of the the uh more famous aspects of that culture's holiday is the airing of the grievances welcome newcomers the tradition of festivus begins with the airing of grievances i got a lot of problems with you people now you're gonna hear about it so you know andrew if you'd like to air your grievances about how late we record this would be a proper venue because tonight we are doing such good shits airing of the grievances just whatever grievances we have about wrestling. Um, so technically, this isn't really about the things that make professional wrestling such good shit. It's quite the opposite tonight. Um, Alec, you're grinning from <laughs> ear to ear, so I'm going to let you go first. What do you? What's your grievance? Um, I, I guess the first grievance should really be this kind of a uh, 
more of a meta response is the podcast name being such good shit is ironic because we almost never talk about the things we like about wrestling. And I don't know if that's a uh, kind of a, you know, the current state has like brought us to this point. Cause I feel like we had good intentions coming in and yet AEW just continues to beat me down week after week. And then you got Vince with his villain mustache doing a weird vignettes. So um, I think right off the top, I'll start by saying my biggest grievance for the year is uh, the disappointment that AEW's brought to my life. Just generally what could have been, and I think it's pretty clear that at this point they are always going to be a C-tier wrestling show because they're run by a money mark. I I disagree with them being a C-tier. They're Here's the deal. They're definitely a B tier. However, back in the day when it was WCW and WWE, you had two A tier companies, or at least A and A minus. Um, so it's just a different playing field nowadays. But I don't, I would say, like, you know, a when I say impact, that from a content standpoint, not from a popularity. I think like that's it, it, um, same thing. No, I think the content is unwatchable for the most they're officially a c plus okay like okay they were they were once a b how many how many b plus or greater players do they have on the roster if we just run down real quick you've got mjf brian danielson kenny omega um that's a am i missing anyone um <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh, Samoa Joe. Yeah. Cesaro's technically on the roster, but I, it'd be hard to argue he's more than a B a, player at this point. At this point, yeah. Um, So it's hard for them to be a B show if they don't have a lot of B plus guys. I, I was going to say on the women's side, um, hmm. Britt Baker. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, she's a solid B. Look, I love Tony Storm. Um, I think she'll get another run, so I'll throw her in the uh A minus. Yeah, category. okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Jimmy anyway, Hater, look, too. this is my grievance so, is is general <laughs> AEW disappointment. And I'm sure yeah. when we circle back around to me, I'll have more specific grievances with uh why they're disappointing. But I mean, look, I can chime in on this for me it was the promise that we would have another company that could run and go toe-to-toe with vince and there's been times where that's happened but by and large lately that hasn't been the case and AEW has been running for what four years now going on five right they started 2019 so yeah we're four years in at this point in wcw terms that's the beginning of nitro and that's the end of 1999. We're already, we've already had the rise and the peak, and we're in the fall. And AEW yeah, hasn't I think gotten their shit together they, yet. They peaked two years ago at, um, you know, shortly after Punk makes his return, right? He has his first match at All Out 20. Mm-hmm. You have the Arthur Ashe, the stadium shows. And the, all I mean, that that's stuff. the peak, right? Adam Cole coming mm-hmm. in. Uh, 
that Daniel night Bryan where Daniel in. Bryan comes in. Um, no, I, th- I think part of the problem is they've branded themselves as the wrestling show, which is ironic because there's no wrestling on the show. It's just aggressive parkour to quote Jim Cornette. So I think the aggressive gymnastics while expected is still disappointing. And that's just it's, a part of like the modern business. So it's, you know, mm-hmm. if you're, if that's going to get you down, don't watch, but I thought to there quote, would be more diversity on the show, I guess. To quote one of my favorite attractions at Walt Disney world, the carousel of progress. It's a lot of fluff, but it's fun. Although it's not really that fun sometimes. It's certainly a lot of fluff. Um, <laughs> do we want, since we're airing our grievances? No, never mind. I, I was thinking okay. maybe we could put a, a good shit spin on this where, you know, maybe you can point to a uh, a suggestion on how to fix some of these issues as we go through these. So we're not just no, 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 shitting no, on wrestling. The airing of the grievances and I'll, I'm sure I'll have put a uh, audio clip in here that explains it. It's basically, I have a lot of problems with you people, and I'm going to tell you all of them. Nowhere in there is is the idea of suggesting how to fix. There's no solutioning <laughs> component to this. It's no. it's simply, I've got a problem. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Andrew, what's uh, what's your first problem? So I'm going to start pretty, very, very specific and kind of small. So if I need to come up with another right away so that this grievance doesn't last only 30 seconds, um, I fucking hate Seth Rollins. I, I don't, I, ha- I have no interest in watching him. No, the thing that pisses me off the most and, and it kind of ties both ways and it's because he gets a pass for some goddamn reason. Tell me why LA Knight gets shit for seeming to basically be just a mashup of the rock and stone cold and he's ripping them off. But Seth Rollins is literally just quoting fucking uh, Judas and the black Messiah verbatim in the same tone in the same presentation in all like that's his catchphrase is he's a revolutionary. He's a visionary. That's just, that's a Fred Hampton quote from a Fred Hampton speech. You're not Fred Hampton. It's weird that you would quote that. It's weird that you would quote that. It, I don't want to make it a racial thing, but considering that was a a very like serious like civil rights like speech and a very like an impactful civil rights figure, maybe leave that for somebody else, Seth, because you're not that. Well, very it pisses me off. What is he envisioning exactly? Because I, I think this so is a really I, juicy one. I don't understand what what he's trying to do. I always took it to mean he has his vision for how WWE looks, and that is basically him at the top, right? That's what he's envisioning. That's his his visionary thing, his revolutionary, is that he's seeing himself as the, the guy. I'm envisioning that movie came out years before he started doing that, so it's weird that it took him so long to start copying it. It, it it annoys me. I Look, can't, I, I, can't I hate that. Uh, I hate him because uh, he called Phil Brooks a jerk. So, fuck you, Seth. But Rollins. that's true, though. Right, but it's the wrestling business. 
So when someone asks you if you want to do business with someone who can make a lot of money, don't say, ah, he's mean. Ah, he made me cry. It's like, shut the fuck up, stupid little bitch. It, it, it's funny that wow. like Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, like they don't want CM Punk back. And well, I've never heard Roman say anything. It just feels like Rollins is a little bitch. Roman, Roman definitely said some. There was a quote from him and, from recently yeah, where he, it, it doesn't. It's basically implying like, ah, get that fucker out of here. I don't want him. Well, now, hey, R- Roman Punk didn't want you, so. <laughs> CM Punk would make both of them incredibly more relevant than they are right now. And not to say that Roman Reigns isn't relevant, but let's be honest until he fights Cody again. Are you really all that interested anymore in his matches? You know, he's not going to lose, but if, but if it was CM Punk be like, uh, (laughs) what the fuck are they going to do here? Did y'all notice that Rollins gets these big pops, but as soon as his matches start, it's just like, like silence like you could hear a pin drop during his matches like the crowd isn't actually invested in anything he's doing it's simply oh we're supposed to cheer for rollins like i know this guy let's sing his song yeah they like singing his song in in the character singing the song became a seth rollins thing even though they were doing that for shinsuke nakamura bobby Roode, Sami Zayn. um I think those are the the big three. Am I missing anybody else back from the NXT days where that became a trend? Like Seth Rollins is the last one to the punch on that also, but somehow singing the song is his thing. And it's just because he's got the WWE train behind him. You know, nobody else got to have that treatment. They used to cut off Sami Zayn's music. They made him change his music because it was too over that people would sing his song. It's like, why? Why would you do that? Well, that's like when they used to do the uh, one fall where the crowd would sing along or would chant along one fall when introducing a big match. So then they changed the way the announcers introduce the match so the fans don't can't do that. It's like, why? Why? Why does it bother you that the crowd is saying one fall whenever uh, you're explaining the rules of the match? Yeah, God forbid the crowd is heavily and vocally invested before the match even starts. Yeah, and then it's also, you know, you're ruining the uh, potential two out of three falls match where you could say this match is for two out of three falls. Imagine the crowd chanting that one. Look, it all goes back to what Vince McMahon believes. WWE does. Matt is chewing water right now. Yeah. Aggressively chomping on water. The, the whole thing is Vince has slash had to have complete fucking control of what you saw and heard, just like a director on a movie set, right? They're going to make sure that the audio is what they want you to hear, the right mix and this and that, whatever. Vince treats wrestling the same way. So if the crowd's doing something they don't want or don't like or doesn't fit their vision, th- that's that's what it is. And it's stupid. It's a live sporting event. The NFL doesn't sit there if the fans are doing something like cheering or booing or whatever. They're not editing that. Like, I, why are we doing it here? I don't get it. And it's weird because they edit that kind of stuff, but they don't edit Kobe Lopez when he decides to wear fucking high heels to the ring and dance around like a moron. Like, I hate Rollins because when you... <laughs> 
And there's nothing wrong with cross-dressing. I think Goldust made a great career out of being androgynous, to quote Vince. But when you come to the ring wearing high heels and sparkly pants, you don't come off as a credible, uh, violent combatant. Which I think is the point of all this, is it not? I know, like, you got the Kenny Omegas who want to come off like a video game character, but that is, like, someone who can do violence, presumably. Yeah, people will buy into somebody that looks like a Street Fighter character. Like, just, that that does yeah. work. I just don't know if you look like you're presenting at the VMAs, if that's going to get me concerned. <laughs> Jesus you Christ. Know? Yeah, it's not the Met Gala, you know? <laughs> Every night is but the Met Gala for Seth Rollins. It, it is interesting That's his because gimmick. I just figured it out. I don't out. understand what happened with Vince. You know, 20 no, hold on, years back ago. It up. Seth's gimmick is that he's attending the Met Gala every Fred night. No, yeah, this is this is good. Let's workshop this. So essentially he's a I don't know what the term is, but celebrities try to like push different celebrity. agendas. He's like that, but he doesn't have a cause to back. You know what I mean? He's trying to make a statement, but he doesn't have any what's, meat behind it. What's the statement? the statement? He he his character is a celebrity who's making a statement. There's just no statement being made. Wow. So he's basically just like Rachel Ziegler. Ziegler, I don't whatever. I don't know. Yeah, he's what like that Gwyneth is, Paltrow. But... No, Gwyneth Paltrow believes she has a statement to make. Right. And so does Rollins. I don't I don't think he thinks he does. I think he's trying to be like Lady Gaga or Gwyneth Paltrow or something. Okay. Look, you said Met Gala. I'm just picking yeah, we're workshopping. No. Yeah, no, I mean I mean it's better than <sighs> Overly white meat baby face Seth Rollins from like 2018. The Kingsland. Yeah. I got real sick of that Rollins. You know what I think Rollins needs is to have a key on his tights. Good Lord. I think key what tights would it be, is a, be a key to good gimmick. The key to unlocking Team Extreme. Yes. Or something. Um, I. I would love for him to go back to a character similar to his 2015 version when he'd first turned heel and he was just slimy and like go back to that character. You're you were serious. You were lethal. Be that again. Be the architect. Like we don't have a Triple H in the business right now. And I, I think that is like an important role. Right. The guy who's. Like, I know Gunter is the ring general, but the sadistic ring general we're missing. The guy who's, he's he's got a plan. He, he should be a visionary, but like an actual visionary. Like, he should be the architect. Hell, he's got Triple H's finisher. Just be Triple H from 2002. Be the game. So you want him to have all these title matches with top contender guys that the fans are behind and would be cool with them winning the belt, but then ultimately beat them in a hilariously stupid way time and time again. Cause we're on that path, buddy. 
Yeah, Matt, so what I want them to do is I want them to bring back somebody. It could it could even be uh, you know, somebody who's leaving AEW, for example, and, and I want that person to have drop foot, and then I want them to spend a month avoiding any physical contact because that person has drop foot, but then still put on the match anyways, and it be a fucking dumpster fire. That's what I would like. I want to see uh I want to see bodybuilding contests, I want to see arm wrestling matches, but just with Seth Rollins um in just white tights and just like a white mesh shirt. Look. If Scotty Steiner was able to work at the rate he was able to work in 1998, that program would have went off without a hitch. Like, I know we like, (laughs) I know what you're making fun of, but it was honestly like, I was tuned in. I was like, I wonder what this is going to look like, you know? No, but like my, my thing is not to be specifically shitting on Scott Steiner. Cause I mean, we all know Scott Steiner was awesome. His debut was awesome at the time before we knew his limitations. And it's not like triple H was a bad wrestler, um, but like they kept doing it throughout his reign of terror, just like putting him with guys who were very limited in the ring. I mean, the Kevin Ash program was not great either. Kevin Ash could barely fuck. Yeah. I would argue that of all of the main events in the reign of terror, the bad blood hell in a cell is the worst in my opinion i didn't watch the scott steiner match but i i would argue the bad blood hell in a cell with big kev is a uh, maybe the most garbage main event in history to that point i don't know yeah and that's the one they fucking dragged mcfoley into that didn't they yeah he's the guest the referee and- well, and then I, I think, usually do that when they're about to have a dumpster fire. They did it with Stone Cold at WrestleMania 20 in the fucking Brock Lesnar Goldberg match. They're like, we got to fucking throw Stone Cold in here. Otherwise, well, and then didn't didn't Kev cut his hair for like a movie or something? <laughs> so then he was looking yeah. weird, too. Hold on. OK, so it was he, for Punisher. He was in the Punisher. Yeah, he came out one week and all of a sudden his hair was bleach blonde. And OK, but it was still long. Then the next week he came out still bleach blonde but it was a little shorter and that's when they called for having the hair versus hair match and it was like huh i wonder so i gotta say fun fact about since we got to the cutting of the hair it was for him being in the punisher fun fact about the punisher is he gets stabbed in that movie and they for fucking, real yeah they fucking flip the prop and he, <laughs> the dude playing frank castle um thomas jane correct yes yes stabbed kevin ash for real and kevin ash just was like that's all right (laughs) because kevin ash is a tough son of a bitch (laughs) look i'm a kevin ash supporter like he's not gonna be i'm not gonna have any grievances with him during this segment that's all i'm gonna say no hey real quick because i don't know when we're gonna talk about kevin ash again tonight at least did y'all hear Ellie Knight's promo uh, the week before where he was doing the whole uh, the word play? And he goes, if I was a moron, I'd say, look at the adjective, but I'm not a moron. I was like, holy shit, I lost it. It was so good. 
Yeah. Uh, it's surprising too because Nash is one of the more intelligent wrestlers, mm-hmm. and it's not really something I've ever thought of until LA Knight said it. And I was like, ah, "Man, it's a tough one. Lives lives on forever, right? It's arguably his most famous line he's ever delivered." What's funny <laughs> is you know, incorrect. You know damn well Hunter helped feed that line, and was just like, <laughs> "This would be funny." I kind of think there's malicious intent behind it. I think it was just well, Kevin Nash has been talking a little shit about L.A. Knight. Yeah, kinda. A lot of the old heads are. It's weird to me because it's like I don't know the whole concept of. And we look, we got to move on, so I'll keep this brief. But the whole concept of people hating L.A. Knight because he's trying to be like the most popular people in the history of the wrestling business is baffling. It's like, okay, my bad. Let me try to be like the least popular people. Like, what the fuck is he supposed to do? Yeah, no, you need to act more like, you know, Rico. It's like, (laughs) fuck, man. Yeah. And also, it's not like he's directly quoting them. It's not like he's stealing their catchphrases for real. He came up with new ones that have a, a, a nostalgic like vibe to them because they're clearly rooted in that period of in time which is exactly what my argument was with Seth Rollins is like he was li- he's literally copying something from a movie verbatim and tone but like LA Knight gets fucking shit on for like reinventing like the spirit of something is mind blowing yeah what ah. kills me is throughout the years the most successful guys borrowed parts of their shtick from other people Hulk Hogan borrowed from Billy Graham Rick Flair borrowed from Buddy Rogers. Yeah, Rick Flair's not even the on. nature boy. Yeah. <laughs> like, the the list nickname. goes on and on Stone and on and on. LA Knight. <laughs> it, look, here's the thing. His voice cadence being the same as Austin's and the Rocks, like he can't change that. That's literally what he sounds like, right? And again, like Andrew, like you said, he's he's just invoking the spirit of good wrestling promos. Yeah, he watched like, good promos and he's like, hey, this gets over. You know, if you do these things in the ring, you get over. Let me try that. Yeah. <laughs> I think what we have here is a bunch of fucking marks who are pissed off because their indie darling isn't the, the person getting over. It's someone else who is actually captivating on the microphone and because he's like a bee in the ring, it's not good enough for them. And so well, they have to they have to poke holes in whatever yeah. it is he's doing because they want eight stars in the Tokyo Dome at WrestleMania and they're not going to get it. You're seeing a lot more of it from the old heads who I think it's sour grapes that he's hitting heights they weren't able to hit. Like you see it from like a Conan or a kevin nash or it's it's a lot of these old heads that are on podcasts kind of complaining more so than the indie guys that i've seen but i'm sure they hate him too yeah but you know who loves him jim Cornette, a guy who fully understands the business corny gets it yeah it's weird that Cornette has become like the godfather he's like the spiritual successor to pat patterson or something 
like who would have predicted this like mm. 10 years ago that Cornette would be it's like the moral conscious of the wrestling business. <laughs> Cornette has said some controversial stuff, and I feel like he has been wrong about some things at times. But ultimately, like it feels like I I honestly can't think of anything in particular in the last four or five years where he's had a bad take about anything. He really doesn't like Orange Cassidy, so that should offend you. Every take of his about Ken, Kenny Omega. He hates Kenny Omega. Well, and that stems from Kenny Omega wrestled a sex doll and he found that to be a deplorable act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Defiling, which and I get that. That is the kind of stuff that killed the business. Let's be let's be honest about it. That actually does kill the business. Um, But I, I think he's recognized Kenny Omega's talent a little bit, Like he doesn't put him in the same category as the young fucks. Um, are we ready to move on to the next grievance? Yeah, Matt, I don't even, I think that that was all just back, you know, just moving from thing to thing after I talked about hating Seth Rollins. Did you even present a grievance yet? I did not yet. Jesus Uh, Christ. (laughs) Yeah. So my grievance is, um, music in wrestling back in the eighties, back in the nineties, back in the two thousands mainly WWF, but also WCW had amazing theme music for everybody. Even the lowest guys had something that was unique and memorable to them, to their personality. And nowadays, unless you're the top, top guy, your music is just shit. Like generic or not memorable and or doesn't fit your character. It's like, can we not get our shit straight? Like it, it fucking kills me that we can't. There's two companies, right? You got AEW doing it and WWE, and neither one of them can fucking get it right. They don't hire like they used to. I mean, I mean, it got progressively worse. You had Jim Johnson who will always be the best ever at doing this. Uh, they moved to the CFOs and their, sh- their stuff was always generic music. Now, granted they killed it for a lot of people with very generic mm-hmm. instrumentals. They really captured a lot of people. Well, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, uh, I think they did Bobby Roode, Shinsuke Nakamura, um, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, all of the four uh, horsewomen. Yeah, they they really did a great job capturing a lot of them, even with very generic mm-hmm. music. But now it's not only generic. It doesn't capture the wrestlers at all. <laughs> no. It, capt- it captures no. nothing. The, the, this next group down stripped away even the personality and tone that still invoked like a certain emotion about a wrestler that even though we didn't have like the very interesting intricate songs that Jim Johnston had. We still had that with the CFOs and now that's gone. Well, what kills me with the CFO stuff is if they'd have kept, if they were still doing it today, which at this point they'd be like what, six, seven years, eight years. I feel like they would have matured to a similar level to Jim Johnston by now, but we never got to see that because of petty bullshit with their label and, and stuff. 
Um, and then like AEW, <sighs> AEW reminds me of how TNA was with their music. TNA TNA's music was done by um, I want to say it was Dixie Carter's husband. Um, and so it was all very. It'd be like if you're an indie wrestling company and you had one guy that was like good on the guitar and could play drums, kind of. And he was like, I'll do all the music. That's kind of what Impact had. And it feels like AW is like one step above that, but just barely. You gotta give them credit for the people they push at stars get real music. Almost all of them have real music. Now, I think it varies how well the songs fit each character. Um, but you got to give them at least the credit for spending the money to get music. Oh, yeah, for sure. But my problem, my grievance is with the in-house stuff just being. And then like WWE for a solid 10 years, every pay-per-view had some rockin' fucking modern metal or modern rock music. And nowadays, there's more of it lately with Triple H back in charge or in charge. But more often than not, it's just some generic fucking pop song. And it's like, what the fuck? What? Matt, How does this metal represent is the problem. Like, you can't go get saliva to do your pay-per-view anymore. I get yes, that. But like that kind of music. And, and maybe it's just because of the time period I grew up. But that music invokes competition violence the things that are going to be happening but because wwe is more of like a brand they're global ambassadors of fucking stuff like the music (laughs) is just very like oh don't worry here's the weekend yeah we're in a target right now like that's like the music that they're playing versus we're in a walmart parking lot at 2 a.m drinking and fighting each other yeah yeah, it's almost like they're trying to be like the NBA or like sports. Where it's just like, you know what I mean? Super Bowl halftime show kind of feeling. Yeah, to a lot everything of feels like a, a crazy brand deal instead of just what fits. And sometimes you have to take a step back and go, the money that you lose from brand deals or having to pay somebody who can like really invest in the creativity of the music for the wrestlers, the pay-per-views, the the whole presentation. Those things are so important though, to making the product better. And the thing that you have to remember is a better product will always make more money. Like in the long run, it will not always make more money. I think in the long run, they would find popularity and and the money that they make goes up when you are able to do that. Okay, here's the problem. And this will be my next grievance, so it'll kind of be a two for one. Rock music is just dead, okay? And so while it fits violence better, it's just not... There's less of it out there to go get. You have to try harder to get it. And it is less in the cultural zeitgeist. It doesn't have as much gravity to it as The weekend. Hate to say it. 
So that'll be my next grievance is just the general state of music and how like <laughs> just fucking zoomers are just little punk ass bitches. But I, I've always thought about that, though, and it's like, is rock music dead or is it that rock music was always way more expressive, way more intricate, um, layered, three dimensional? And so now that there's so much of it and there's so many subgenres of it, anybody who's interested in rock music is in a subculture of it. And so no one band is really the biggest thing. And the, the reason that pop music stands out is because it's very flat. It's one dimensional. There only needs to be three artists because there's only fucking four chords that they right. all use anyway. Pop well, no, there's pop. actually way more diversity in pop music now because it's so easy to make music using but, electronic. But my point is like anybody who likes Olivia Rodrigo also likes The Weeknd, also likes... Uh, Ed Sheeran, Taylor Swift. Also, no, like, I, just, I disagree. I yeah. disagree. I think you're kind of typecasting like all all music that's not rock and roll music is like this one big thing. Comparing Olivia Rodrigo to The Weeknd to Ed Sheeran, I feel like those are all distinct genres of music. No, 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 they no, are they different. Are. But I'm saying they're so flat and one dimensional that it's like one person that's really into one is probably just into the other. Whereas when it comes to rock music, it's like you might be into a cluster of bands that are very similar and have very similar themes, mm -hmm. but you're just not spreading yourself out that much because I guess the, I, the music is so much more diverse. I guess I'm disagreeing from a personal standpoint because I find Ed Sheeran's music pretty good. And I think the weekend's music is abysmal and can't listen to any of it. So on its face, what you just said is objectively untrue for me. So I well, there's always the exceptions. There's always going to be exceptions, but the, but Andrew makes a good point. Like hip hop and rap have, have some sub genres. Well, and don't get me started on that. They've killed hip hop too. Cause now it's a bunch of emo shit. Well, now yeah, it's a bunch of emo shit. Hip hop was were fucking, it yeah, used to be fun. Was fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's not pretend like we're, we're just only interested in like fucking nineties and early. Look, it it used to be music. like you had a guy <laughs> like Nelly. It's like, look, I just want to have a party. It's like, okay, sick. Now it's like, all right, time everybody's, to rap about my drug. Yeah, everybody's just mumbling about how they want money and cars. It's like, well, or okay. how depressed they are because they're addicted to Percocets. <laughs> it's like, look, bro, you need to put on a tank top and do some pull-ups and hang out with 50 Cent. I'm going to give you a bonus. Oh, yeah, 50 Cent. Let's talk about 50 Cent for a second. I'm going to tie this back to wrestling. And it's another little grievance I have. <laughs> the gun club using many men by 50 Cent does look cool in presentation, but also 50 Cent wrote that after getting shot nine times and living. <laughs> maybe that's not you, dude. <laughs> like, maybe that's him. And that's why that song exists because no, but it's they're very heels, so real. it makes sense. It's like <laughs> they're using it. You guys in jest. aren't them, and it's like, no, we're right. him. Trust me. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I guess no, it, it makes kind sense. of. It, no, the okay, Gun Club sure. song is like one of the best AEW applied uh, songs that they're using. That that I requires think. some some layers there. I think. Look, do you want complexity or not, Andrew? I don't know. I guess at surface level, <laughs> the way I looked at it is they look at it like, yeah, everybody hates us. They want us dead. It's like, 
you you don't know what that song's really about. You don't know what it's like to be the person who wrote that. Okay. Uh, before we move on from music, uh, I'm going to share a personal music grievance that just happened this week. Um, my favorite band of all time is Him. They're from Finland, and they broke up about mm, seven years ago now, and they all went away, did different things, but the lead singer who wrote all the music and did all the singing, uh, he went away for a long time. Earlier this year came out with a, an album, a solo album that he completely wrote, recorded, played all the instruments, all that stuff, and you're like, oh, good, he's back, because he's playing exactly the same music he did when he was in the band. And so he went on this big tour and it's like, oh, great, he's back. And he even said, oh, I'm working on some new music for the new album. Fantastic. And then all of a sudden they put out a press release and it goes, oh, yeah, we're extending the tour into 2024. Uh, and it's going to be a world tour and and we're going to wrap up touring for the album. Oh, and by the way, that's the end of VV as a solo artist. What? Is he going back into his fucking cave again? Like, what the fuck? Don't come back and tease us that he, you're back. I heard making... that dish track from Bam, and he's like, <sighs> "I got to get back out of this business." Like, don't tease us with your back and your 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 performing your new stuff and you're performing hymns music at your concerts that everyone's going nuts for, and then you're like, "Well, time's up. I gotta go." Like, <sighs> it's frustrating. That's all. Just a little, little, little upset. Uh, so Alec, let's circle back to you. We'll each take another uh, another grievance. What do you, what do you got? Um, I think generally the softness of wrestling is sad. Um, can expand that to the softness of society uh, if we want to look at the macro view. Or we can get very specific and look at the CM Punk drama and how sad that played <laughs> out. But I think in general, softness in society is... I've got a problem with it, okay? I, feel I don't like know how... We're, and I can't settle it with violence because it's been become clear that that's not allowed. So I don't know how to handle it. I feel like we, we aired this grievance a lot last week when we talked about all the Jack Perry punk uh, stuff. Yeah, I... It's, look... I'm allowed to air my grievances. No, yeah, this is the airing of the grievances. You obviously have a lot of problems with us people. This is your time to discuss them. Yeah, I just think uh, it's sad that you can't hit another wrestler anymore. Like, I know it's like there's no place for violence in society except for, like, the wrestling business and, like, fight industry. I was about to say... In wrestling, <laughs> I mean that's that's what it's for. Yeah, I. It's I think we can tie all this back to like kayfabe dying because I feel like, you know, if kayfabe was still around, it's like, well, what are you gonna do? Go complain to the dirt sheets that you got beat up? It's like you're not gonna you're gonna be less over. So it's like, oh, he can't win in a fight against this guy. But for whatever reason, now CM Punk beats up Jack Perry and it's like, well, we better get rid of CM Punk. So everyone because everyone knows now that Jack Perry got his ass kicked by an old man. So he's going to be very marketable. Well, you know, back in the day, the rule was you had to be tough enough that if you were in a bar or or somewhere out in public and, and, and a mark 
came up and challenged you, you had to take them out to protect the legitimacy of the business, you know, and the same thing if, if one of your fellow workers challenged you, you better show them up because otherwise you're not going to get booked anymore because everybody views you as not legitimate. Yeah, I, I just think this whole like culture obsession in like society in in the workforce in general. It's like, I mean, look, you go to work to make money. Um, I think most people go to work to collect their paycheck, right? And everything else is great, but it's like we've become obsessed as a culture with like vibes quote-unquote, in the workplace. Holy and I feel shit, like we're going on this CM path. Punk, because he's not friendly with everyone at his job, has become vilified, right? Despite the fact that he gets paid to do a job and does the job well, it's, well, he's not, he's doesn't hang out with us and go to happy hour after uh, the show, you know? That's at least my perspective from the outside looking in, is like, millennials and Zoomers, they love that shit. It's like, oh, how come you're not hanging out with the group at work? It's like, well, you know, maybe he just comes to work to go to work. I don't like how you lump millennials in that. Um, please go fuck yourself. I mean, it's the reality. I mean, maybe the younger ones. But y- you see what I'm saying, right? Like some people yeah. still want to go to work to do their job. And I get that especially the younger we'll say younger millennials and zoomers but the younger generations don't like that they want to have like a bunch of camaraderie in the workplace and i think that is good and having good culture is a positive thing but there should also be room for people like cm punk who just want to go do their job and do it well i might add yeah we back in the day when i worked in retail you know we had people who were you know, really dedicated to the place, uh, overly so. Um, and, th- and that was good. But then you had people who were just, they showed up every day. They did their job. They did it well. They weren't necessarily trying to move up. They weren't trying to have friends everywhere. They just came in, they did their shit, they clocked out. And that's okay. It's okay to have those people. In fact, as a company, you should have those people because you can rely on them to steady the ship, right? They can be the guys uh, doing the work that has to happen, that needs to happen, and and make sure everything is going smoothly so that some of the other people who are maybe higher up or doing more creative things have the flexibility and latitude to do those things because you know you've got a solid crew backing them up. Um, you know, and... Uh, and you you may not know this based on how I am on the podcast, but I'm human resources director. And, you know, one of my things is, is promoting work-life balance. Nobody should feel like they can't just come in, do their job well, and go home and collect their paycheck, right? If that's how you want to be. I'm going to try to promote team building as much as I can, but it's not going to be a thing where if you're a CM Punk and you come in and it's like, bro, I'm just going to do my job and get out and get out of my face. You know, I'm going to be like, Hey man, you know, it'd be cool if you wanted to do some stuff with us, but if you don't, that's okay too. It's totally okay. Right. And in a sense, punk was almost bullied. If you really look at it, right. 
bullied for not being a part of that group in AEW. Yeah, are we, are we, can we talk about, because this came out after we did the show, that the reason that they didn't do the meeting to hash things out is because the Young Bucks, I don't know if they were kidding or where the quote comes from, said that they won't do it unless he's drama-free for six months, which is mind-blowing because their boys were fucking antagonizing him. Like you can't be like, oh, you got to be drama free for six months, but we're gonna have Jack Perry go out there and f- fucking yeah. Call it, you out what does that even TV? mean, drama free for six months? And here's another thing too, piggybacking off of what Matt said, you should be able to disagree with people you work with about the work you're doing. You should be able to say, hey, I believe you are wrong, and people being challenged in the workplace is ultimately a positive thing. And AEW doesn't like that either. They like this group think mentality of nobody's wrong ever, which is not how the world works, right? Like you have to be able, and uh, (laughs) taking it back out to the Mac review, it's uh, uh, to me another thing that I just dislike in general is the lack of discourse in, in society and people are afraid of confrontation nowadays and, it's just a sad thing. Sad thing to see in the wrestling business where I feel like it was a business built on confrontation. And I'm not saying I want to go back to Hulk Hogan saying he's got to break the Warriors kneecaps if he holds Vince up for money again. But, you know, you can have a little workplace violence. Should be able to break some kneecaps, you know. Jesus Christ. Like one or two. This is... um according to somebody very close to them. So basically uh, fake news journalists not being real journalists in the world of wrestling saying that uh, the Young Bucks had said if six months went by without CM Punk having any issues, they'd be willing to sit down and work with him. But while people adjacent to the elite were causing problems with him. Um. Andrew, do you have another grievance? I do. So there's another small one that will probably spiral into another conversation. But can we talk about why Cody Rhodes brought back Jey Uso? When it happened, Michael Cole was like, you know, Corey, this is really interesting that Cody Rhodes would do this given their history. And I was like, you know, Michael, that is really interesting. It's almost like it doesn't make any fucking sense at all. I, I don't understand what, like, this is why Cody has this weird polarizing thing about him is because they do weird shit like this with him. Just don't have him involved. Like, was it just that they needed a reason for Cody Rhodes to come out and get get him on the pay-per-view because him making an appearance was going to be good for the show and ticket sales? Because I just can't understand any like they couldn't find any other way for him to be involved in the show other than coming up with some. And also. Don't double down. That's another thing. (laughs) <laughs> if you really, if you really have to have Cody Rhodes be the one to introduce him, turn it into a story. Maybe like Adam Pierce wants me to come out here and do this, but I don't really like the guy. And then you have a little bit of a story there 
Instead, they had to come up with this ridiculous convoluted reason why they're totally cool now instead of just finding any other creative way to do it. It's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, So, okay, hold on. I think that there is a story involved, right? Because they made it a point to say that because they took in Jay, that somebody has to go to SmackDown. And I think that's going to be Cody at some point, and they're they're building to that. So I think there's a kayfabe reason. I also think outside of kayfabe, the reason is, is to give Jay the Cody rub. So if what you're telling me is that he did this because Jay called him up, or he called up Jay and was like, we're not cool. Obviously, I resent you for fucking screwing me over at WrestleMania because Cody Rhodes would be a total fucking pussy if he doesn't resent any of the bloodline. I don't care that Jey Uso is a is a babyface. I don't care that he's main event Jay now. In in the Cody Rhodes character, he would look like a bitch if he wasn't like I seriously fucking resent you for screwing me over at WrestleMania. That's the biggest moment of his life. It should be. And that guy screwed you over and you're just going to let it go after like six months because he's a baby face now and doesn't like Roman Reigns. It just so if the story that they're going to eventually tell is Jay called him up and was like, I have a deal for you. We swap contracts. I can get this signed off by management so I can get you over there. I just need, you know, I just need you to do this for me. And that's why this is this happened. Then I will buy it. But I severe I seriously doubt that WWE will be able to tell that story <laughs> effectively and probably were like, "No, that's too confusing," even though it's it honestly kind of would make more sense for their characters if it was more of a like, "Hey, let's make a deal. I'm going to get I'm going to get you to Roman Reigns." So I feel like it's either something like that or it's a Cody went to management and said, I want to go to SmackDown. I need to fight Roman again. And they said, OK, Cody, but we have to have a one for one trade. So you got to find somebody that's willing to come to Raw. And Cody. Reaches out to Jay himself. He's the bigger man. He's the top babyface. And he's going to do what's best for business, but also what's best for Cody, which is getting his ass to fucking SmackDown. I don't know. I I think you're right. I think they'll fuck up trying to tell the story. I think they're going to forget about the stipulation. And then like Cody will just randomly be on SmackDown and they'll won't even acknowledge it. We'll just all have to assume that it's because of that, that trade. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I think that, it speaks to the bigger thing, which is I think Cody would do a lot better if he wasn't so fucking nice. Don't be so nice. You're a baby face, but don't be so nice. You look like a fucking asshole. It doesn't come off like admirable. It comes off whiny and like... Like a doofus. Yeah, he's a fucker, man. Well, that's basically WWE's white meat baby face thing. It's that they're just kind of dumbasses, right? They could take it advantage Which of. Which doesn't make they any sense. They don't capitalize. 
Their biggest star ever was Stone Cold, and yet they've never had, up until L.A. Night, they've never had a baby face that that they go with that can do that. Every time they want to have the guy, he's way too nice, he's stupid, he always falls for heel shenanigans, and he just, like, forgives people on a whim... As soon as somebody turns babyface, the rivalries that they had go out the window and they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to be a tag team or whatever the fuck it is that they want to do this week. It, it's it's absurd. Oh, yeah. Another thing is not just like they'll just suddenly become friends with anybody who they were a rival with that turns face, but they'll also just be best friends with any other babyface on the roster, despite just like not knowing them. Like you can't have any intricacy in your characters at all. There can't be any layers to it. It's like Cody Rhodes is just friends with Matt Riddle because Matt Riddle doesn't like the bad guys. For And what other reason? They're- okay, hold on. I'm going to interject here. To be fair, in the last few weeks, there's specifically been more nuance with that kind of thing where just because you're a baby doesn't mean all the other babies are rallying behind you. Case in point, Jey Uso. Right. They've shown all the the issues that people are having with him backstage. Drew McIntyre and and Kofi Kingston right now, which they're getting ready to, I guess, turn Drew heel. Right. Just because they're baby faces, they can still have issues. So they're, we're getting a little more of that, which is good, a good thing. Right. Because, yeah, just because you're a good guy doesn't mean you're friends with all the other good guys. They do a good job of that with the heels. Right. Just because you're a heel doesn't necessarily mean you get along with the other heels. They've done over the years a pretty good job of heels mistrusting other heels. Although I guess that's a character trait more than anything. So it's interesting you bring up the Drew McIntyre thing. And it's great that they're doing that. But it's contradictory as fuck. It makes so much sense that Drew McIntyre doesn't like Jey Uso. Like, hey man, I seriously fucking resent you for screwing me over in the main event of the biggest match of my life over a year ago. Why would I forgive you for that? I don't fucking know you. All I know is that you did that to me. Well, technically you're solo, but... But then why is Cody forgiving him? Yeah. It I... doesn't... Like, it's like, it's so wild that they, they, they took the time to go like, oh, it wouldn't make any sense for Drew McIntyre to like him. Remember what they did to him? But it's like, no, no, no. Cody, though... Cody can be the good guy. It's like you make Cody look like a fucking pussy. Because well, Cody not... is the ultimate white meat baby face now. So, you know, it's just like he's dumb. above the fray. He's like the leader of the locker room. He got Sammy and, K- and KO back together. Remember? For no reason. Yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. I think we've uh, aired as many grievances as, uh, possible and as much as probably you the listener would want to hear from us uh so make sure that you follow us on facebook and twitter such good shit pod email us such good shit pal at gmail.com subscribe and rate us on apple podcasts spotify and whatever other platform you uh you listen to us on um and before we go before we conclude the airing of the grievances portion of the holiday uh, do we have any any quick grievances to air or anything else we want to throw out into the universe? Oh, man. Um, oh, 
uh, I'm disinterested with Nia Jax being back. Oh, fuck. That should have been a whole segment. Mildly disinterested. Everybody's worried about her hurting people, but Mm -hmm. actually, like, I'm just... I think that that makes the television more captivating, so I'm all for it. (laughs) Hanging on the edge of your seat to see if she injures Rhea Ripley. Yeah, it's just weird that she's, like, a monster compared to Rhea, who's, like, an actual monster. You know? Like, it's when it's when they put, like, a monster next to Brock Lesnar. It's like, well, I mean, Brock's going to fucking kill this person. Right. So, Well, it's funny because, so, Nia's only really been gone for, what, two or three years? But in that time, the roster, the women's roster has changed. So, like, how does she fit in against a Bianca Belair, against a Raquel Rodriguez, against a Piper Niven, right? Like, I don't. I feel like she's not going to last long because there's just not going to be enough compelling stuff to do with her. Agreed. 